This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where the legislature has concluded its one-day session to get organized after the election. This is where campaigns end and governing begins. We are no longer candidates. We are senators, and we have a lot of work to do. Wilton Simpson is your new Senate president. The new Speaker of the House is Chris Sprouls, who wants to stand up for police and patriotism while cracking down on what he calls the Twitter mob. We need to look at the practice of doxing, publishing an individual's private information online for the purposes of subjecting them to harassment or the risk of physical harm. We need to figure out how to adopt our criminal laws to shut down that kind of behavior. If we cannot control the Twitter mob, then we can at least ensure that no Floridian is placed at risk by an actual mob. Republicans who control both chambers spent a lot of time talking during the one-day session, but Democrats say they barely mentioned the biggest issue of all, the pandemic that has killed almost 18,000 people in Florida. Coronavirus was pretty much glossed over in the House chamber, um, the, the reality of the situation. Um, and certainly there was no mention made of uh, the spiking numbers in the testing that we're seeing happen right now. The Senate did set aside a moment of silence for the people killed by COVID-19, but we still have no idea what the legislature is actually going to do about it. The state reported 86 more deaths on Tuesday and almost 7,500 new cases. While other states are still counting, Florida's Election Canvassing Commission has signed off on the final counts in the Sunshine State. It took less than two minutes, and you'll hear it all. We'll also have your daily calendar of political events and two Florida man stories featuring a Florida woman busted by her own son and a Florida man who strapped a stolen utility pole to the top of his car in hopes of selling it to a recycling company. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Wednesday, November 18th. It was on this date in 1928 that the first successful sound-synchronized animated cartoon premiered in New York. It was Walt Disney's Steamboat Willie starring Mickey Mouse. The new leaders of the Florida House and Senate are promising change and budget cuts. The state legislature met Tuesday for a one-day organizational session where they elected a new Senate president and Speaker of the House. Republican Wilton Simpson is the new boss in the Senate, and the egg farmer from Trilby used a series of agricultural metaphors as he talked about his agenda for the next two years. None of us who were here last session could have predicted what we are facing today. Our focus will be different because our world is different. Before I talk about some of the things I'd like to see accomplished over these next two years, I want to pause for a moment to recognize those who've lost their lives as a result of COVID-19. So join me in a moment of silence. Thank you. This virus has robbed us of thousands of Floridians, mothers, fathers, and friends, and neighbors. And we're gonna honor their memories this year by taking bold action and policy moving forward to, to try to prevent this from moving forward. This pandemic has been a strain on so many families and our businesses. Some wonder if it's ever going to end. Senators, it will. In the last few days, we've heard of promising news about new vaccines. And there are more um, therapeutic medicines um, coming online every day. Better days are ahead, but we must continue to do what we can to personally prevent the spread. I want to thank all of you for taking our new protocol seriously. We will get through this together. Now I know elections were hard fault. Elections are competitions, and that means there are winners and losers. Nobody likes to lose. Having said that, we have stepped off the field of competition and into the Senate. This is where campaigns end and governing begins. We are no longer candidates. We are senators, and we have a lot of work to do. 
Fortunately, Florida is more prepared than most other states. Over the last several years, we voted many times to set aside money to pre prepare for a rainy day. Um, senators, it is raining. In fact, it is pouring. The Revenue Estimating Conference lowered the estimate of GR for this fiscal year by $3.4 billion and another $2 billion for the next fiscal year. We're fortunate to have had passed legislatures that set aside money for emergencies. It will help a lot, but it, to be clear, it will not solve our problems. We can't fix our situation by simply spending down our savings account. We need to make structural changes to the budget. Florida has the honor of a AAA bond rating by all three rating agencies. The rating came with an important warning earlier this year. They said if Florida relies too much on one-term sources such as reserves or CARES Act funds, it could weaken our view on management and budgetary performance. Senators, that will not happen on our watch. We are going to tighten our belts. There will be things that we did in times of plenty that need to be eliminated in times of lean. We have less revenue, therefore we will have less government. That doesn't mean all we will cut, as all we will do is cut the budget for the next two years. There are places where we need to make investments, like our Northern Everglades, our springs, our most vulnerable children, and state infrastructure. To do our job right, we need to be thoughtful, strategic, and long-term in our vision. And if we do it right, and I believe we will, our state will recover and prosper in, w in ways that we cannot imagine. But it's going to take courage and bold action. When I was designated, I spoke a lot about my background in farming and how it has given me an understanding and appreciation for the importance of roots. If you want to ensure the quality of a crop, make sure the roots are healthy and strong. If you want to prepare a field for planting, you plow the field and clean out all the roots. I'm also a businessman. One of the most troubling things I have seen in government is the way that we cling to laws or programs that we are barely funded or don't work because we don't want to hurt feelings or bruise egos. We can't afford to do it that way. I encourage us to re-examine past priorities. Let us look at some of these initiatives that don't work, that aren't moving us forward, or that are wrong for our time, and let's take them out by the roots. Let's get this budget field cleaned and plowed for the growth and prosperity that are ahead. You and I may not see the results in our two years, but we will make the difficult choices now that will impact Florida for generations to come. That is our calling. That is our duty. That is the assignment that Floridians have given this Senate. I am deeply honored that you have made me the Senate President for these two years. We have a lot of work ahead of us. Florida wants results, not words. If you and I seize our days like a farmer with long-term vision and a solid work ethic, knowing that what we plant today is for a future harvest, I truly believe Florida's best days are ahead. Over in the House, Republican Chris Sprouls of Palm Harbor was sworn in as Speaker. Sprouls did not offer specifics, but he says they do have to deal with the fallout from the COVID crisis. On January 1st, none of us could have accurately predicted the events of 2020. COVID-19 came roaring into our lives and nothing has been quite the same. We're still trying to understand all the ways and account for them that this virus has impacted and continues to impact families, communities, churches, and schools. I expect much of this session will be spent dealing with the fallout of the virus 
and modernizing our laws and our plans to ensure that we are prepared for future pandemics. But COVID-19 remains the exception, not the rule. Most of the dangers we face are not stealth viruses. In Florida, we are surrounded on three sides by water. And like it or not, and you can spend as much time arguing over the why as you would like, that water is flowing into places it shouldn't, flooding streets, damaging homes, and ruining businesses. We need to stop treating our environmental budget like a giant pork barrel buffet. We need to bring the same long-range planning and strategic discipline to our environmental programs that we bring to our transportation work plan. We need to stop fixating on land purchases as the sole measure of conservation and embrace the spectrum of priorities from beach renourishment to septic tank conversion to flood mitigation. In Florida, the quality of our water is inextricably tied to the quality of our life. Speaker Sprouls is promising to crack down on Florida's version of the deep state, more than 1,200 boards, commissions, and special taxing districts. We need to stop congratulating ourselves on how much we spend on a problem and start asking ourselves what we are getting for the money we spend. We thought we were spending millions of dollars to help women and children in the fight against domestic violence. It turned out we were really helping Tef Tiffany Carr buy houses in North Carolina so she could hide away from our process servers. The scandal surrounding the Coalition Against Domestic Violence has laid bare one of the failures in Florida's system of government. In the 1970s and 80s, when the Democrats ran Florida, we created boards, commissions, councils, and regional entities. The grand democratic theory was rooted in the church of the technocrat. If we can only create independent bodies filled with experts, we'll get good governance. While those entities were unable to adapt, unwilling to innovate, and incapable of doing much more than perpetuating their own existence. Then, in the 1990s and 2000s, Republicans took over, and we worshiped at the altar of the private sector. We created quasi-private entities under the theory that they would bring the energy and innovation of the market into government. Instead, we got entities that acted like the private sector companies when it came to pay and perks, but like government agencies when it came to innovation and funding. Under both approaches, we have a vast, mostly uncharted, and mostly unaccountable network of public and quasi-private entities with the authority to tax and spend and regulate private behavior. If Washington, D.C. has a deep state, in Florida, we have a subterranean state. It's time we brought these entities to the surface. For the ones that can demonstrate actual positive outcomes, we need to ensure there are adequate fiscal controls and accountability measures. And for those that are doing little than adding to just administrative costs to already underperforming programs, they need to be dissolved and their functions reassigned to an accountable entity. Sprouls is taking aim at what he calls the Twitter mob and the cancel culture. In the era of McCarthyism, it was gross misuse of political power. Today, it is cultural and technological power. Instead of the Red Scare, we have the cancel culture and its roving band of Twitter Robespierre's who scour social media looking for a person to ruin their livelihood because they said something stupid or insensitive or worse, something that didn't comply with the movement's narrow orthodoxy. In their inquisition, they are aided and abetted by weak university administrators and cowardly corporate executives who lack the moral courage to push back against a mob or distinguish right from wrong. I don't believe intolerance or cancel culture represent the values of mainstream Floridians, Democrats, Republicans or independents. I do believe that this is still a state where we value free speech, where we recognize good people of good intent, can disagree on matters of politics or faith without resorting to personal attacks. 
We need to look at the practice of doxing, publishing an individual's private information online for the purposes of subjecting them to harassment or the risk of physical harm. We need to figure out how to adopt our criminal laws to shut down that kind of behavior. If we cannot control the Twitter mob, then we can at least ensure that no Floridian is placed at risk by an actual mob. State universities will also be under the microscope. Speaker Sproul says higher education will be facing cuts as they try to patch a gaping hole in the budget that's been created by the COVID crisis. We need to remind our public institutions of higher learning that exposing students to new ideas is not an inconvenience. It's part of their core mission. We need universities where students are participating in challenging debates, not hiding away in safe spaces. We've had a good deal of discussion in recent years regarding the role of higher education in Florida's economic life. Our taxpayer-funded colleges and universities should not be job training centers, but they also cannot divorce themselves from the economic needs of our state. And while our public universities should offer a full range of degree options, it does not follow that we should subsidize every degree to the same degree. We should consider changing the funding incentives to reward universities for enrolling students in programs that are either tied to a high demand occupation or require an exceptional degree of intellectual rigor. Our higher education system will, of course, be central to our budget conversations this session. It's no secret that Florida's economy has stumbled as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic, and we may be facing a revenue shortfall in putting together this year's state budget. But where some people may see crisis, we see opportunity. Senate President Simpson also sees an opportunity in higher education, but students will not like this. After years of holding the line on college tuition, Simpson says the budget is so bad now they need to consider an increase. I think that is a viable opportunity. I think that when you have 90 plus percent of the kids that went to university or young adults that went to um, UF last year were for free, um, and then we have a budget crisis. Let me give you an example of that. So we have the best university and um, college system in the um, in the country the last four years in a row. So we want to make sure that we maintain a very high level of higher education. But at the same time, we have kids that are in and out of foster care because we don't have resources to be able to manage that system. And so when you start putting priorities together, I'm going to have a higher priority to make sure we're taking care of those most vulnerable children. And, and, and we haven't raised tuitions in this, in this state for 10 years. And so our product by any scale comparable as much as is a fraction in most cases um, other states and it's something we're going to have to look at. Florida's new legislative leader spent most of the day talking about farms, family and patriotism. But House Democratic leader Evan Jenny says they ignored the elephant in the chamber. I didn't hear very much about coronavirus per se. Um, there were a couple vague references um, that, you know, things we all already know that the state is suffering. Um, but, um, you know, uh, but I heard no direct um, discussion of approaching 18,000 dead Floridians. Um, certainly heard nothing about unemployment um, in the millions of Floridians that had to go through that debacle of a process. Um, so I, I would say coronavirus was pretty much glossed over in the House chamber, um, the, the reality of the situation. Um, and certainly there was no mention made of uh, the spiking numbers in the testing that we're seeing happen right now. Um, so, yeah, to me, um, I didn't hear anything really substantive on COVID uh, other than, um, you know, a, a, a admission that it's been a tough time for Floridians. Uh, but I would argue that it's probably a lot more than just a tough time, uh, especially if you're one of uh, a family member of one of the 17 or 18,000 people that have already died from this. 
we really don't know how many people have actually died in the state of Florida due to corona. Um, you know, you can look at some of the Johns Hopkins numbers with uh, uh, deaths over flu from last year, and that number grows significantly from that 17 or 18,000 number that the state's currently reporting. I believe the uh, DeSantis administration has made it very clear that they're taking more of a hands-off approach to this. and. Uh, I think that uh, that's something that, that you can start right there. One of the things you can do right now is not hire former Uber drivers uh, to, to work on a pandemic when they have no background in it. Uh, not having someone give a deep dive on um, uh, what the death numbers really mean uh, if they are simply an employee at their family's agriculture business that has nothing to do with COVID. I think that would probably be a good place to start. Um, I'd like to hear more from our Surgeon General. Um, I don't know where Dr. Rivkes has been for the last few months. I hope he's okay. Uh, but we haven't heard word uh, one from him lately. You know, I'd, I'd like to see a little bit more engagement um, and a little less uh, taking victory, premature victory laps. I think that would be a good place to start because that sends the wrong uh, uh, message to our constituents and, and all the people of the state of Florida. Because at the end, if they don't know what's really going on, how can you make an intelligent, informed decision? And they just don't have that data right now to do that. So I think that's a jumping off point. And also taking advice from people who aren't conspiracy theory peddlers, um, having actual scientists involved in the decision making uh, and healthcare professionals, uh, both in terms of public health uh, and epidemiologists, would probably be a better tack to take for the state of Florida if we're interested in protecting lives and getting this economy jump started again. Speaking of COVID-19, this is as good a time as any to check the daily casualty count. It's still going up. On Tuesday, the state health department reported almost 7,500 new coronavirus infections and 86 additional fatalities. Florida's official death toll has reached 17,861. More than 3,300 people are now hospitalized in the state, and at some point today, the number of total cases will pass the 900,000 mark. Next up on Sunrise, you'll hear the State Elections Canvassing Commission certify the results of the Florida election. But first, a word from our sponsors. You're listening to the Sunrise Podcast from Florida Politics, and we are much obliged. Predict It is like the stock market for all things politics. Instead of trading stock in companies, you're investing money into your opinions on everything from election results to how many times President Trump will tweet this week. It's easy and only costs a few bucks to get started. Our podcast listeners can get a special introductory offer by visiting predictit.org slash promo slash F-L-A-P-O-L. Try it today. Welcome back to Sunrise. As legal battles and vote counts continue in other states, Florida is done with it. Governor Ron DeSantis, Attorney General Ashley Moody, and Chief Financial Officer Jimmy Petronas, who acted as the State Elections Canvassing Commission, have officially certified the results of Florida's election. Secretary of State Laura Lee presided over that meeting, while the three state officials, well, they basically phoned it in. And I call to order this meeting of the Elections Canvassing Commission. This Elections Canvassing Commission consists of the Honorable Ron DeSantis, Governor, the Honorable Ashley Moody, Attorney General, and the Honorable Jimmy Patronis, Chief Financial Officer. All members are participating by telephone. The purpose of this meeting is to certify the official returns of Florida's 2020 general election and 2020 special election for Florida Senate District 20, held on November 3, 2020, which have previously been provided to you. At this time, I request that a member of the commission identify him or herself and make a motion to certify the official returns for the 2020 general election 
and 2020 special election held for Florida Senate District 20. This is uh, Ron DeSantis. I make that motion. Second. And this is Ashley Moody. I will second that. Thank you. All those in favor, please say yay. Yay. The motion carries. I have here from the Division of Elections the official certificates of the Elections Canvassing Commission for the 2020 general election and 2020 special election for Florida Senate District 20. I will ensure that the certificates are provided to all commissioners for signature. There being no further business to come before the commission, this meeting of the Elections Canvassing Commission is adjourned. Kind of anticlimactic, don't you think? More than 11 million Floridians cast ballots in the election, and it took them all of 90 seconds to make it official. Your calendar of events today, the trustees at Florida Polytechnic meet at 8 to discuss their growth plan. The State Board of Education meets in Tallahassee at 9 to hear a new report on what's known as the rigor gap. The Florida Commission on Offender Review meets at 9. The Florida Defense Alliance meets online at 9. Trustees at Valencia College meet at 9.30 to discuss the search for a new president. The State Reemployment Assistance Appeals Commission meets at 9.30. The State Agency for Persons with Disabilities will hold an online hearing about proposed rules related to support coordinators. Those are the people who actually provide the services to people with disabilities. Political scientist Matthew Corrigan, the dean of the Jacksonville University College of Arts and Sciences, will discuss the 2020 elections during a meeting of the Flagler Tiger Bay Club at 1215, and the Florida Board of Opticianry meets online at 530. A Florida man is charged with grand theft after troopers say he stole a metal power pole and strapped it to the roof of his 97 Toyota. The Florida Highway Patrol says Doug Hatley found the pole on the ground near the nine-mile marker on Interstate 4 and took it to a recycling company, but they wouldn't accept it because he couldn't prove it was his. Troopers found the missing pole two days later, still strapped to the roof of Hatley's car. And a Florida woman is charged with driving under the influence after being ratted out by her own kid. 39-year-old Melinda Harrison was stopped for driving the wrong way down a one-way street in Punta Gorda after she came close to hitting a deputy. She told the officer she'd only had one drink, but when they found a bottle of vodka under the seat, her son said, that's mommy's drink. She refused to take a breathalyzer test, but that didn't stop them from charging her with driving under the influence and child abuse. That's it for today's episode of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again tomorrow as we continue to plumb the depths of Florida politics.